We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. We are in the building after a pretty nice layoff. Got some rest over the holidays. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed our best of 2020 show where we broke down. We gave our awards for the best in pro wrestling. We still have our awards for MMA and boxing that are coming up on this Sunday on that show. So make sure you guys check that out. We're not done handing out corner awards just yet. But we figured it's a new year, not a new me yet, even though I'm trying to lose weight like my boy Angelo Dawkins. But we have to come here and talk about pro wrestling to kick off the new year because we had Wrestle Kingdom both days that we have to talk about. NXT had a New Year's show, and AEW did as well. Big things from both of those. So we had to make sure our first show of the new year was focused on pro wrestling. First, though, Dre, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Trumper storm in the Capitol and what, to me, was shit straight out of a movie, something I never thought I'd see. And it got to the point where I was like, yo, I, I took... The half day from like 12 p.m. on off of work. I was like, yo, I got to be focused on Twitter and what's going on. And just this, for better or worse, historic day in the world. And they were like, all right, cool. Like, go ahead. Um, Shout out to AJ Springer who called it. uh, I called in black, he said. Because I just had to really pay attention. Make sure us as a people somehow wasn't roped into this dumb shit. We ended up not being. But it was a crazy day. You hear me pouring up, right? Oh, yes, sir. Let me. Ah, let's get it. This is not a white claw. This is green uh, apple crown royal and diet Dr. Pepper. Because oh, I need nice. this that's right. That's a nice now. mix. Yeah, so, uh, God damn. What do we start with this shit? I know. I know. We start with white privilege. And we start with these. Um, they're not protesters. They're thugs. Hooligans. Mad because they, they lost an election. Sore losers, right? It's not like one of their friends got murdered in the street, somebody they knew. It's not like an epidemic of uh, 
you know, cops killing white people or anything like that. They just lost a fucking election, fair and square. Really, they're they're asking questions like, uh, "Yo, why don't they? Why are they still counting votes? Because they were mailed in, motherfucker. Like it was very obvious with COVID how this was going to play out. Your guy lost, and now you're so mad because of the runoff in Georgia that a black man. This is crazy. This is where I'll talk about privilege in a minute. But a black man is the first senator of Georgia, which sounds insane. If you live in Georgia, if you've ever lived in Georgia, if you've been to Georgia. And Atlanta is very black. Outside of Atlanta is really not. And that's why Georgia is red most of the time. But now, Georgia got fed up with this shit. So now there's a black senator. Incredible. But there's these, these uh, MAGA people are so mad that they decided to storm the Capitol. They didn't have a fucking plan. Because I don't know what they were going to do when they got there. When they arrived, it was like, well, now what? Right? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to hold up the inevitable? <laughs> yeah, you take selfies with cops? Thanks, cops. But you're holding up the inevitable. Your guy lost. It's over. But you storm the Capitol building, a place that is supposedly has high security, but the security was about as good as James Harden on an off night. Everybody blew past the the security. It's terrible. And then you get in and just do a bunch of dumb shit. And I'm watching this. The first thing I think about is, yo, if that was black people, they'd have nuked that motherfucker. It would have been over. It, they People would have been tear gas shot, killed, dragged out, beat up. We've seen this happen before from much lesser offenses by black people who have peacefully protested. Yet these white folks storm a building. One dies. I'm not saying she deserved it. But what the hell are you doing trying to climb through a window when the gun's drawn on you? For where are you going? What is your purpose? This was... This is one of the most offensive things I've seen. And I know there was people like, why are you making it about race? Because it's always about race, people. This is like Donald Trump has made this about race. This, this was unbelievable to watch. And you know what I say, never surprised, always appalled. I wasn't surprised that, you know, the cops didn't go to work on these white people because they let them past all these levels of security and into the building. And there's like the video of the black cop who's just basically trying to run off while the white people are just walking them down. We get killed for much I, less. I was scared for him. Yeah, I was too. But I'm saying we get killed for much less. We've been killed for Skittles. We've been killed for iced tea. We've been killed for toy guns. We don't get killed for Russian cops because it doesn't really happen like that. But these white people ran up in this building, in the Capitol building, not this building, the Capitol building in D.C., and basically got away with it. If it wasn't for the curfew that was put in, into place... Maybe only one person would have got arrested and that one per- other one person would have got shot. But this this is unbelievable. But y'all president for these next few days is the one who started this shit. He had, and this is what I've always said. It ain't so much about Trump. It is right. It is. But it isn't because the people that are empowered by Trump and when Trump refuses to call them bad things or he tells them to stand by and stand down until moments like this. This is his fault, and these are his people. And this kind of shows you that the divide in America is much greater than some of you have anticipated. Just because Barack Obama was president didn't mean racial relations got any better. And I've seen some people say, well, you know, when Joe Biden... Nope, this ain't about Joe Biden. It's not. Racism in America doesn't start and end with Joe Biden. Didn't start and end with Barack Obama. Racism in America has lasted as long as this country's been here. 
And we still are in situations where we have to look at this and say, well, damn, these are black people that got shot. We still live in situations where in Georgia, you go the first black senator. This country's been here as the United States of America for over 200 years. We should still not be having the first anything. Have you ever heard, Kel, have you ever heard the first white anything? Anything. No, no, by no means. I mean, we we really, really have to dig deep for the first white anything. Like, maybe it'd be like the first white trans I think we've had. Um, I think that happened last year. And, well, and it was just the first trans. They left white out of that description. That's my Rightfully point. so. It was just like the first trans electorate happened in like Michigan or something over the past year. But outside of that, no, they didn't lead with the first white trans person. Not just like in Georgia, you mentioned uh, we have the first black center, but we also have the first Jewish center down there, I believe. Like but, young Jewish kid, just one, 33, yeah. and a black man. And it's crickets about that right now because of this crazy shit at the cap and, and here's here's my point right modifiers are put in place for things that people don't consider normal being black in america isn't considered normal being a person of color being a minority being the lgbtq community those are not normal white is normal and that's why they never put markers in front of the first white anything because they already existed it's normal to them but as soon as a black person or any person of color gets in any position we got to celebrate it because it's the first time and it might be the last because you never fucking know. But he, but that's what white privilege is. I tweeted this. and I, I know a lot of y'all saw it. It's not what white people get. It's what you don't get. You don't get discriminated against. You don't get excluded. You don't get redlined. You don't get beaten shot for the color of your skin. You don't get those things. That's what privilege is. Privilege is being considered normal while we are considered abnormal. So when I'm watching these white people storm this Capitol building and not getting blown to bits, I ask myself, if that was us, could we have done some shit like that? Could we have pulled anything remotely close to this? And America's gone mad. I can see other countries looking at us right now going, yo, those motherfuckers are crazy. Donald Trump is the foreign terrorist in an 80s movie that you root for Arnold Schwarzenegger to kill, who has tyranny and all these people. You got, we got to free the country by killing the terrorists. No, Donald Trump is the fucking terrorist. And that was domestic terrorism. That's what you got to get rid of and eradicate. But this country still fucked up, man. I don't, I don't know how Joe Biden is going to do this inauguration. And, you know, if any crazy white person is out there, if you want to, like, take a shot at Joe Biden and try to kill him, then you just have a black woman for president. And you probably don't want that either. So I don't know how this is all going to play out. But watching this was so gross because of those reasons to me. I mean, it was foul. It's everything that they did was wrong. But I'm just thinking, like, how the fuck did they get away with this? That's unbelievable. Easily because they, they get away with everything in regards to the rules and shout out to like big mac and just night i mean all our, our white friends who are you know cognizant of this but i remember i think the first time i went to jail <laughs> it's an odd way to start a statement yeah i've never um, been to jail by the way people ever never happened <laughs> the first time i went to jail um and it was 
man, I had to be 20. I was 20. I went to a club here in Vegas at the Venetian. don't even remember what club it was now or what it was at the time. Kid Capri was spinning. I wanted to see Kid Capri. Uh, oh, I must have just been 21. I was in the club. So saw Kid Capri, went, got the table, me and uh, one of my white friends from high school and friends to this day. We're like, cool. We saw Kid Capri. We left. He was dropping me off. And we got pulled over. And we had been drinking a little bit. But obviously, I'm not driving. He's driving. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, we were drinking a little bit in the club. Like, damn, we got pulled over. It's 2 in the morning. The cop comes up to the side. And I'm worried as a mofo. My friend's really not worried. He pulls out his license, pulls out the registration immediately. Gives it to the cop. Officer, what's up? Yeah, here goes this. And then... The cop goes back, checks everything, everything's good. Cop comes back to the to the window, and he's like, I need your ID and your driver's license. And I'm like, what? I was like, I'm not even driving. Like, what do you mean? And he's just like, right now, or you're going to jail. And I was like, all right, here. And I gave him my license, and he came back, and he was like, I think it was a jaywalking ticket. I had like a $60 jaywalking ticket. And uh, didn't go to court for it because I was young and dumb. And then he was like, oh, I think your ticket went into warrant. And I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, it was a jaywalking ticket. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to have to arrest you. And I was like, what? I was like, it's a $60 ticket. He was like, no, nah, you got to come with me. And literally arrested me there on the spot. My, and so when I say we were drinking a little bit, I was, that, is, that is being kind to us. So he overlooked a lot to just then look through and run my stuff and then take me in. So it, it shows that since then I knew like, oh, I was weird. I was like, yo, my white friend wasn't wasn't worried at all. And then I've been in the car with white friends since who cars been pulled over. I've, I've had white friends, other white friends, yell at cops, what you stopped me for? I wasn't speeding, fuck out of here. Give me your badge number. I'm going to report you. Cop back down. Yo, you know what? Just take it easy. Next time, just watch the speed. Yeah, no. No, I'm not showing you my registration. For what? Prove I was speeding. Where's the numbers? Like, dead ass how they talk to the cops. And I was amazed. And this wife, I don't smoke. But this white friend, mad weed in the car. Years ago, before it was legal. Mad weed, I think... He, he might have had a pistol. I don't know if it was registered or not. We were young. He had that in the car. Right in the dash. Like, cop searches two seconds. It's, it's a whole different situation. Yelled at the cop. Cop back down. I was like, yo, this is some wild shit. So what I saw yesterday, I, was, I wasn't shocked at. They aren't scared of police. They're never raised to be scared of police. No. Why would you be scared of your neighbors? But in turn, I understand this. I'm not scared of drug dealers. I don't buy drugs. I don't do drugs. So I've never in my life been scared of drug dealers. I've known drug dealers growing up in New York, growing up in Vegas. Pimps. I've known pimps. These are bad guys. I've never been scared in a room where someone may be doing that or that's their occupation. I grew up with that.
Those were my neighbors in my community. They were my classmates who grew up to be these things. I'm not scared of pimps and drug dealers. I'm scared to death of cops. Well, unfortunately, pimps and drug dealers aren't taking taxpayers' money with a job to protect you. Whereas no, yeah, cops, I mean, their job is supposedly to protect you, and yet we fear them. And they want people wonder, like, why do you fear the police? Well, this we've seen why. But then you see why these the white folk, this certain group, white folks, they just don't respect police. They look at them like you work for me. We can't tell a cop that. I can't go to any cop and be like, "Yo, you work for me." That'd be the end I of this podcast. You'd have to find a new co-host. <laughs> I'd be dead than a motherfucker. You work for me. But they, but in this situation, they don't respect authority. But you know, all in all. I'm glad that Trump is out of office, but the shit ain't over. You know, don't say, get wait, excited because Biden's getting in office and think things are going to change. Cause I, I don't know why, but there's so many people that were on my timeline was like, what about your savior, Joe Biden? Look, I don't expect Joe Biden to save me from anything. These these issues are much bigger than the Oval Office. They're much bigger than Congress. They're much bigger than the House. There's a whole Supreme Court that's still an issue. There are grand juries that are still an issue. There are your local authorities that are still an issue. Biden can't do shit about that. The only thing I know Biden won't do is to tell us to stand back and stand down until some shit pop off and call racist good people. That's what I know Biden won't do. I was glad that he spoke up and was like, yo, if that was Black Lives Matter movement, they would have got killed. He said oh, it. people hated that. But People he, hate the truth. They, they hate the truth, and, I, and, and the problem is... Listen, we have white friends. And when I say white people, I'm not talking about all white people. But there's a certain group of white people in America who refuse to acknowledge privilege. Like, it'd be silly of me to refuse to acknowledge my male privilege in this country. Forget the black and white part. Just the male part. To say, oh, man, what do these women got to worry about? Yo, they've got, like, they are, they've been oppressed. The first woman thing is, is is for real. To be a black woman is like the bottom, like the gum on the bottom of the shoe in America. But to be a woman, like that, I, I can't, I can't sit there and say that it's the same for a woman as it is a man. Women are treated different. The double standards are real. Yeah. But in a, but white people, they don't want to acknowledge that they've been in positions of power forever. Like women just got the opportunity to be in positions of power. We still don't have a woman president. And for me to say that, no, no, we're equal, it's fucking foolish. So white people, when you say, oh, no, 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 it's, it's equal, you get the same opportunities. No, we don't. We're behind on a 400-year race because of slavery. Because you were able to acquire the color blue and Johnson & Johnson's baby powder while we were picking fucking cotton. We've always been behind in this race. And we're just trying to play catch up. It'll never be equal. It'll never be equal until y'all can acknowledge that, that you have the privilege to not be discriminated against, to be able to raid a Capitol building without everybody getting blown to bits. They, these are the reasons why we'll still have these problems in this country. It's, and we'll get back on topic, I guess, in a second, but it's always going to be that, that portion this election kind of showed us that I say portion, but it's damn near half. The election showed us that it was it was still too close for comfort. It's like seventy million people, yeah. something stupid. Yeah. But there's 
always going to be that section that refuses, that's scared to death of equality. Yeah. You mentioned them having the color blue since jumped them, Johnson and Johnson's. If we're keeping it a buck, they're scared of equality. And and not the and I'll I'll section off, not the children of immigrants, all this. I'll go through the whole shit real quick. They are scared of equality because if stuff is equal, they are losing. Yeah, they're relinquishing power in their mind. They can't compete if it is equal. And I'm talking about the idiots who stormed the Capitol building. Not the people who go, they get an education, they become worldly, they, they expand, expand their boundaries, they learn about other cultures, they don't try to steal from other cultures or keep other cultures beneath them. No, they say, you know what? Cool, I want to learn from that. I want to compete evenly. Not those people. It's the people, like we see those 70 million, if everything was equal, they could not compete. They left the land in England to come to America and stole this land. If it wasn't for Native Americans, they would have died. They did not know how to farm this land. They didn't know how to build shit. The Native Americans taught them a ton about this land. They would have died. They couldn't be equal Native Americans. There's a reason that Native Americans are on reservations. If they had equal land and equal opportunities, they would be oil barons. They would be the richest people on this land because this was their land. They knew more. They couldn't have it equal with them. They wouldn't keep up. They would have lost. Then, when they noticed they had to suppress the Native Americans, like, how do we then become bigger and better? We still can't do it. Oh, you know what? Africa has kings, queens, gold. Look at that. Not, not one king and queen like England where we just came from. They have multiple. Look at what they do over there. You know what? We can't do what they do. We're going to go cut deals and take them from their land to make us into kings and queens. We are going to have them as our slaves and them build this country because we can't do it. Then when that shit goes because of a civil war and they're finally slaves freed, they're like, oh, what the fuck are we going to do now? So the North says, you know what? We don't want slaves, but we're going to create this farce of the land of the free, the greatest land on earth, and have immigrants come here. So we have industrialism. If people don't know history, go and look and see who created these steel mills, these plants in the Northeast. Ellis fucking Island is the biggest farce ever. So you bring people in for cheap labor, hard workers to do shit you still can't compete and do. The Irish, the Polish, the Jewish come in and help people who are here not able to do shit. Families who own stuff. The Rockefellers, the Ken... All these motherfuckers who can't do shit for themselves. Built off of immigrants paid way less than they're worth. And then to oppress them still. The Asians out west. Yo, we want to expand. You can't survive out there. The Asians built the railroads. The Mexicans tilled that land. These motherfuckers can't survive if it is equal. It's always who can we oppress next. And they are running out. Of people to oppress and they're scared to death 
Yeah, and I'll just leave it on this note. Um, I tweeted that because these races are so close that we still have a lot of work to do. And AJ Springer, good friend of mine, obviously friend of the podcast, Verse Rap Pack, tweeted that, you know, every these people, you know, they worked really hard in Georgia to get this to happen. And this is my point. We shouldn't have to work this fucking hard to get the first black senator. We shouldn't. We shouldn't have to work five times as hard. Because, I mean, do you see white people campaigning as hard as we do? Do you see some of these white senators? You can't tell me <laughs> Mitch McConnell had. Come on, fam. Like, are, are, you being, are you being honest? Do you see some of these people who spoke yesterday in favor of, uh, of Trump and trying to look into this voter fraud? Do you hear them speak? They're, they're idiots. You look at Stacey Abrams <laughs> and you look at the work that she did, and I will not minimalize the work that she's put in, but I will say that she shouldn't have to work that hard. Like, she declined a senatorial run because she wanted to work hard in changing this. What? They ain't white people that's going to do that shit because they feel like they deserve it. We don't deserve it. Anything. That's what they feel. So they feel like they deserve this election because... They are sore losers who came into the game with a handicap, a 21-point lead, and they blew it again to some black people and some, and, some, and some liberal white people and some people of color. They're like, yo, they short-circuited. And the only thing they can do is figure out the storm of Capitol building with no goal in mind because I have no idea what the plan was once they got there. I don't have a clue. I don't know. Shout out to all the women. Women are really holding this shit down, too. Talking about all the yeah. women are just fucking crushing it. Every well, I'm gonna especially shout out black women because, like I said, black, black women in this country are treated like the bottom, the gum in the bottom of your shoe, and they work so hard to raise black men, raise black women, and to power through this country when not like there's a segment of black men who don't even give a shit about them, and they work hard. So. Big shout out to them. Uh, we need to talk about some pro wrestling because I know there's some people like, man, can y'all stop talking about this political shit? But we can't. This is what we do. <laughs> we can't. This is what we do. All right. We're going to hit the break. When we come back, we're going to dive right into Wrestle Kingdom. There's two nights, so it's going to take a nice little bit of time to recap. But that's what we're here for, for, people. This is Combat Sports. This is pro wrestling. This is Wrestle Kingdom. I'm so hyped. I can't wait to talk about it. You guys stay right there. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. 
which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll be back to the show in a second. But first, everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, we are back in this pro wrestling time. Man, it's so hard to decide where to start. Usually we kind of skip all of these uh, opening matches and stuff, but we'll touch on them. Night one of Wrestle Kingdom this year. First, before I dive into this, Dre, how nice was it to see fans in the arena? I mean, it was Just so Tokyo you know it's packed. It, it, it's crazy though because you see the fans and they tell them you can't cheer, you can only clap. You can't do that shit in America. Imagine a UFC <laughs> card where they were like, "Hey, man, no cheering, no booing, just clap." It would never happen. That's why we still have all these COVID cases because we don't like to listen. <laughs> Nobody listen. <laughs> First Amendment, bro. <laughs> like it's, it's fucking ridiculous. No, no, no one listen, especially at a UFC event. Look out there, they barely mm. want to wear masks. So <laughs> that just reminds me. I saw Tito Ortiz got kicked out already. He got kicked Sweet out of like his chamber meeting because he refused to wear a mask. It's like, how are you fucking up on day one, Tito Ortiz? Like, what an idiot. Um, so match one of Wrestle Kingdom Night One, twenty one man. New Japan Rumble. They do this every year. I skip it every year. So, I guess the top four this year go to the Fatal 4 match on night two, which led us to Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, Bushi, and Yano advancing. Cool. Mind you, that show's 34 minutes, so it's like the pre-show. It's long. Anyone who plans to watch this, you can skip it. Dog, like, it, was, it was so whack. Like the twenty-one man Rambo is such a. It's. It's. I thought as soon as I saw Ishii Minoru Suzuki, I was like, "Yo, one of them might win a fatal four-way with these guys." A mate, not even fatal, whatever it is, the uh, four-way match. Ah oh, man, I can't wait. Then I saw like Suzuki got eliminated early. 
Like, he got Quick. his check, and he was out. And then Abushi was out. And then I was like, Chase Owens is still in this match? Oh, fuck this. So, yeah, this match <laughs> sucked. It was There was nothing fun about it. You know, Toriano, uh, even though he's a comedic wrestler, he didn't even get in the ring until the end. Uh, yeah, sure, fine for the pre-show, but this this uh, Bad Luck Fale, Bushi, like who? Gato, what the fuck? Anyway, move on. <laughs> you love Yano, though. In G1, you'd love you I, some I, Yano. I think Yano's great. He's great for, for certain things. This wasn't one of them. I was, <laughs> yeah, no. Mm-mm. No, that was, it was kind of a waste of 34 minutes but then it's like okay we get into the main card so we have Hiromu Takahashi versus El Fantasmo and Takahashi uh IWGP junior heavyweight champ Fantasmo Super J Cup winner last year before Rona I thought Fantasmo was really going to take off not that he hasn't but he really hasn't had the run I thought he would have. So I was like, yo, let me see what this match is about. And I really like this match. But again, a lot of me liking this match is Takahashi always looking like he's about to die. Yo, this man broke his neck. He broke his freaking neck, people. And he still <laughs> wrestles these crazy-ass matches. This match was interesting because I agree with you. I saw Phantasma. I was like, he's going to have a great run. And fast-forwarding a little bit, he's going to be in the junior tag team title picture. But this match was more of a phantasmal exhibition. And then Takahashi, you know, trying to kill himself every now and then than anything else because it feels like Taka had to save himself for the next night. Match was fine. Um, the the finish was kind of surprising, how quick it came uh, through the roll-up. But, uh, but you kind of projected this because you couldn't have a phantasmo and, um, uh, uh, God damn it, who am I thinking about? Um, Ishimori match because they're both in Bullet Club. It just when there's no storyline there, so yeah. Taka and Ishimori made a lot more sense. Um, but I, I'm curious, what are they gonna do with Phantasmo? Interestingly, when I looked at him, I was like, he grew this beard, and now he like looks like a bunch of other people now to me. I looked at him and I was like, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Chase Owens. Like I was trying to figure <laughs> out who he was. Like he had this beard, he started looking like a lot of other people. Maybe he needs to shave the beard again, color his hair, do something. Yeah, just go baby face, <laughs> just. Real quick, take a quick shave. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it, but Jay White already did the whole I'm a girl out of beard thing. Yeah, well, that's So it, it's kind of already taken. So, yeah, but again, not a bad match, good opener. And then next match, Gorillas of Destiny versus um, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. It's nice to see the Gorillas of Destiny back. The tag team division needed it. But this match showed how much the heavyweight tag team division is struggling. It's it's not what matches were two years ago in the tag division. This wasn't a Wrestle Kingdom match to me. Good match. Decent. This wasn't Wrestle Kingdom match to me. Um... Well, obviously, uh, the Grills of Destiny get the tag team titles back. Um, Suzuki Goon, interestingly enough, are now playing the babyface role, uh, which is a little surprising. Uh, but Tai Chi has been putting incredible work. He did great work here in this match. Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. 
Um, but is this the finish was kind of expected here? Tamatanga and Tonga Loa get the titles back. But yes, New Japan's tag team division up and down is struggling. There's not a lot of tag teams here. They're just kind of pairing people together. They've got to remedy this pretty quick. But the match, this match was fine. wasn't bad. wasn't good. Decent. Just here. Yeah. Can we talk about like Tamatanga though? Yo, babyface Tamatanga. So listen, guys. Let me give you a disclaimer. <laughs> I have talked to Tama like I interviewed Tamatanga at Super Bowl because he was there. They had a Ring of Honor like up the street or something. No, no, they were doing a New Japan show. And uh, I've kept in touch. I haven't talked to Tama about this. I'm gonna text him because ever since his babyface shit shows up, it looked like them hair club for men commercials where it's just like, "Yo, what happened?" And this is what he looks like. He looks like a "Yo, what happened?" I don't like it. <laughs> I can't really. I like Tama with the long hair and the beard. The babyface Tama Tonga looks like a douchebag, and maybe that's the end game to look like a douchebag. But yeah, what? I had no clue. I had never seen him without that beard. I had no clue what his face looked like. So it reminded me, and I've seen this meme going around a lot lately, mostly due to the weekend, unfortunately. But it reminded me of when, uh, in SpongeBob, Squidward was like, "Yo, I'm ugly," and then went and became handsome Squidward. That's Tomatonga. <laughs> he like shaved the beard. He got like the low fade with the curls. And I was like, "Yo." It, if you would have told me this was Hamataka, I had no clue. This is what he actually looked like. So I understand, like, he's trying to be a little heartthrob, like the asshole heartthrob character. I get it. I, I think the ladies probably like it more than the scruff with I don't the gray so. in the middle. It's I don't less, think so, dog. Yeah, they like it more I than the scruff like, he looks with like the gray in the middle. Nah, man. I think they like distinguished long hair, beard Tamatanga. I don't think they like child predator Tamatanga. He's <laughs> like a child predator, man. I don't know. Tonga looks like he's 24. He looks like every Samoan I played with at Southern Utah University. Yo, I'm really mad we spent more time talking about Tama's look than the actual match. <laughs> it had to be said. The man changed his his entire look. Came back. So that's why he won the titles, because he's a whole different person now. Had to give uh, Pretty Boy Tama Tonga a run. So they won the titles there. Next match, Kenta versus Kojima for like another briefcase. I guess this one's for the U.S. title. Moxley cuts the promo. One, I, Moxley promo, shout out to FSW because I can tell that's the FSW facility. Being there a million <laughs> times in Vegas to completely just transform it to Moxley and hang up some New Japan stuff. It's like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. Moxley, we'll talk about this going to AEW. Something bothers me about his weird sway. Like, it's not imposing to me. Like, I, I don't get it. I, and I understand he did a little bit of that as Ambrose and as Moxley. He's gotten too crazy with the sway back and forth. Like, it's, it doesn't do it. doesn't make him look crazy to me. Like, it, it's just, it makes him look very weird. So, the sway bothered me in this promo and on his AEW promo. But his words were very good. Moxie doesn't cut a bad promo. Lady meets me like, yo, I want to see who's going to win this. Problem is, I knew who was going to win it. Like, Kojima versus Moxley, that doesn't hold weight. Kenta versus Moxley, now you get people's attention. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, 
the match had to be changed because Juice Robinson, I believe, broke his orbital when he got smashed in the face with that briefcase. So they had to go to Kojima. And Kojima, you know, interestingly enough, he has good matches. I was more intrigued with the Kenta-Kojima match than I was with the Kenta-Juice Robinson match. Because Juice Robinson just looks ridiculous. Um, oh, he's the worst. Yeah. But the end game here is Moxley versus Kenta. And that's what we're going to get. This match, again, it was fine. I knew it was going to... The finish was never in question. So, uh, sure. At this point, I'm watching Wrestle Kingdom. This is the exact point where I'm like, this is a kind of a mid-Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, definitely. And then, I mean, I was kind of impressed with Kenta. I thought this was a, a good match for him, maybe because my expectations were very low. So I like this match for him. It's better than last year. I have a glimmer of hope for him. Because last year I was like, oh, all this stuff. Cool, he sits cross-legged on the chest. of Naito. And then nothing. No payoff. G1, no classic match. I'm just like, damn, man. Like, Can I see something special? So hopefully this is the beginning of special between him and Moxley. And then um, next match, Tanahashi. V- Let's see, versus Great Okan. Uh, this is one of those where this only happens because it's two nights. Because outside of that, I could have won without it. Yeah, I mean, look, man. They, they're trying to get was Great mid. Okan over. They brought him in to attack Okada. And then he gets entrenched in, in, in this feud with Tanahashi. And you can't have a Wrestle Kingdom with, without Tanahashi. It's impossible. Just can't. But... The question was, can Tanahashi carry the Great Okan to a decent match? The answer was, yes. It was decent. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about all I got out of it. Okan, looked, he looks solid in spots. Um, the claw spot looks cool occasionally. Um, Tana gets the win. Some people were upset because they were like, well, the Great Okan needed to go over. He's not ready yet. Tana still got something left in the tank. So I think the, uh, yeah, not, the way this not match ended was totally King, fine. Yeah, no. Not against Tanahashi. Not against the Ace. Not against Go Ace. Um, But again, this was another match where I was like, all right, this is cool. That's it. Great Okan is not even like that big. That's what bothers me, too. He's not big enough to be the great anything. Like, what's the the name of the giant black dude on Raw? Like, Omus? Like, can they just switch names? He looks like a great Okan type dude. Like, that's a big-ass dude. We'll get to Raw later, but that kick he did over AJ Styles is probably the best thing that happened on Raw this week. Yeah, he might be very limited like the great Khali, but the greats always are very limited. That's what I've noticed. Right? You got but the great in front of you, you're probably limited in the ring. <laughs> great Ocon isn't even that big. I like this one. He's like <laughs> average Ocon. Like I, I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way. So I'm like, okay, night one might kind of be a wash. At this point, I fell asleep. I woke up the next day like, oh, I got to watch it. All right. Right before the gym, I was like, let me watch this. And pays off Okada versus Osprey in the co-main. And one, I thought this could be match of Wrestle Kingdom. It didn't end up being that. But it was one hell of a match. And I really, really like heavyweight Will Ospreay. Because it's not just all flippy shit, which I still like flippy shit. He didn't abandon the flippy shit. But... 
He's working stiff. And he, he got that weird, he who must not be named, buffness going on now. Where he's kind of just super stocky outside of his frame, but it works. So I really like that. Okada's Okada. 35 minutes. I didn't think this was one of the match. Other matches could have been shaved down. I didn't even notice this was 35 minutes. I thought they worked very well together. My only complaint is Osprey didn't go over. I'm fine with Osprey not going over because what happened in New Year's Dash? Um, this match was really good. And I've seen some people complain about the length, and I didn't think it was too long. And Okada, the story basically was one, you know, your chaos guy turned against you, brotherly feud. Obviously, Osprey's got the empire now. Okada and his uh, diligence to finish matches with the money clip. I fucking hate that finish. I hate it. And I think that's the point. <laughs> Bring back the I Rainmaker. That, but the, exactly. I think the point is that Okada wanted to try something new and he kept trying it on Osprey and then finally he had to say, fuck it, I need to hit this Rainmaker and finish this dude off. And that's what he did. I like the story of this match. I thought the match was great. Um, Okada did some flippy shit in the match. Uh, Osprey hit a Rainmaker, which I'm sure pissed Okada off in storyline. And uh, I think ultimately this was a really good match. And Osprey is a major player. Like if he wasn't su- such a douchebag during the speaking out thing, I think more people would have been on board for this match. But I think because of the whole speaking out thing and the way Osprey has carried himself on Twitter, a lot of people are turned off by him. But the guy's an amazing talent. Uh, he's just got to, you know, whoever he is, you know, guys like him, Marty Skrull, they've got the, they just got to stay off of social media and stay out of the bullshit. But this was a really good match. I, when this match ended, I was like, that's a Wrestle Kingdom match. I feel a lot better now. Yep. It definitely felt like the first, like, ah, okay, we're here. Even though, again, I don't want to crush Hiromu in the opener. Like the Takahashi match, cool. That's a standard opener for Wrestle Kingdom. But it's supposed to ramp up, and it didn't ramp up from there. No, That well, damn near could have went on right before this Okada match. And also, you have to think of it like this. The the other Wrestle Kingdom matches we've had, like Kenny Omega and Kushida. We've had uh, Osprey and Takahashi. We had that four-way with, I think it was Osprey, Takahashi, Ishimori, and I'm missing somebody. Maybe it was Bushi? I can't remember. Somebody's going to correct me on Twitter. Hmm. Um, but they've, they've had so many junior heavyweight bangers so when we get a match like this where it's good but you're like yo it could be so much better so this was the moment where i was like all right this is a Wrestle kingdom match this is also the argument where people say ah maybe it shouldn't be two nights and you might be right to some degree because yeah i can't understand why you do two nights at wrestle kingdom and ishii minoru suzuki uh they don't have singles matches that's crazy to me no definitely weird um Last year, I got why it was two nights. It was a lot of talent on our roster, a lot of storylines. But with the Rona and the limited travel still, even though you got some of the roster back, but it seems like you didn't have the year to build multiple storylines and really get a lot of people in it. This is the year where you didn't need two nights. Right. Maybe next year, you go back. Stuff opens up a little more, maybe. and like You go back to two nights. This year, could have been dialed back, but last, it wasn't. Um, night one main event, Kota Bushi, Naito. I'm glad it wasn't. This this was worth it. Perfectly timed match, 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, it was 31 minutes. I mean, 
It's fucking Abushi Naito. I, I knew Abushi was going to win. I predicted it. It was his time, like you said. Fuck it. I love Naito. It could have been a better run. I'll say that. But this match, oh, it was perfect. Perfect. And there were several times where I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And Abushi's just fucking, he's, I would say he's the best wrestler in the world. But then I saw some wild shit on Wednesday night, too. But even then, I, I think Abushi's <laughs> staking his claim for, like, yo, no, I'm, I'm the guy here. Dude, I want to say that last year I picked Ibushi to, to get finally get the title. I can't remember if I said it or not, but I'm going to pretend like I did. And in our last show, I talked about Ibushi being the most talented wrestler probably on the planet. I, I think I'm right, just in terms of in-ring and the things that he can do in the ring. Because not only does he wrestle like a maniac, he does the flippy shit, he bumps... And then he has that change in expression, which I think it was very, very well done in the Jay White match, which we'll get to. But then you have Naito, who for some reason really turns up when he wrestles Ibushi. And we knew this match was going to be a big deal. Unlike you, I wasn't entirely sure that Naito was going to uh, lose this match. I was wondering if Gato was going to do us like he did Naito so many years, like times before, where you're like, ah, it's his time, and it's not his time. Yeah. But this match, there was, there were so many stupid bumps. And I say stupid because I'm like, yo, y'all trying to kill yourselves? Because they've done this before. <laughs> they try to kill themselves. Abushi, for one, he always tries to kill himself. That's just who he is. He'll take a bump on his head and be like, fuck it, and just keep going. This match had a lot of that, had a lot of uh, near falls, callbacks because they hadn't wrestled so, since, I think, 2019. And, like, the Destino and Kevin Kelly calling the Destino. Like, this is where I listen to the uh, the English um, commentary, and I appreciate it because Kevin Kelly, I love how he calls Destino. But, uh, ultimately, Ibushi wins. And if the only thing that sucks about this match is the crowd couldn't cheer because I think they would have lost their shit. Just like they did with Naito going over on Okada last year, I think they would have lost their shit this year. Um, this was a really, 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 really damn good match. And it's probably, we're set, well, let's see, it's January 7th, uh, match of the year. I can say that, right? That's not crazy. There's another match we'll talk about in a minute who can, probably can compete with it, but this was, this was a banger. Yeah, that's, I keep going back and forth. I gotta watch the other match. <laughs> I gotta we'll watch the other match. Y'all know, y'all know what we're so talking far, about. Yeah, so far, yes, this is my match of the year. Because I, like you said, there were spots where I thought they were honestly going to kill themselves. Like, all the apron spots, I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Crazy. Like, it, it's just wild. And what Abushi's able to do, it makes me forget that Abushi's like 38 years old. And Which is I saved favorite. this question. Yeah, wild. I saved this question, and it wasn't even on a rundown, but I wanted to put you on the spot. Because I think they're both 38 at the times. Better run in New Japan. Like, two-year run. AJ Styles, Kota Ibushi. This past two years. Kota Ibushi. And that's not, like, hands down Kota Ibushi. Because AJ was great. People considered AJ Styles the best wrestler in the world during that run. I think... 
AJ Styles was yeah no I, I I could see that even though I thought Okada was still better but I think AJ Styles when he hit New Japan really showed what AJ Styles can do even though we knew what he could do in Impact and TNA when he got to New Japan we were like oh shit this guy's amazing and it, you know a lot of people consider the match with Nakamura a classic but I look at Kota Ibushi and I'm just thinking like yo I don't know. Who else can wrestle like him? And what he showed in G1 might have been like one of the... Eh, I don't want to say that. I'll get ahead of myself. It was one of the greatest runs in G1 Climax history. In terms of just turning in different matches and near classics on any given night. But I'm gonna, I'll take Kota Ibushi narrowly. Because AJ is still... Even though he's toned down in the WWE... He's still one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Oh, definitely. It's just, in terms of New Japan, I'm shocked that you said Ibushi. You were so high on on AJ Styles at that point. I was probably oh, a little high. Still I liked his match with Nock as the best match that year at Wrestle Kingdom over Okada Tanahashi, I believe. Yeah, I didn't. It, I loved that. that match. I think they had two classic five-star matches to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I liked Nock a little bit better. And still crazy. I don't consider that Nock's best match. I still consider the Kota Ibushi Nakamura match his best match. Even though the Styles match is incredible. And fuck WWE for trying to duplicate that and giving me a nut shot best. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forgive him for that. We're not we're not Ever. doing this today. We're not doing this. Not, like I, <laughs> He'll never be forgiven. I, <laughs> Yeah, I just don't have the time to be upset about how they handled AJ Styles and Nakamura. But oh, no, you're right. I mean, at WrestleMania, AJ at Styles WrestleMania. versus Look, AJ being the head of Bullet Club, AJ being um the champion, well, facing Okada. AJ did so many great things, and I think I just, man, like I watched Kota Ibushi and maybe maybe it's just recency bias. I just I look at that dude and I'm just like, yo, he's just really fucking good at wrestling. Like Kota Ibushi is really good at everything. And then he's a maniac. Those bumps that he's taking, like, what's wrong with this guy? But this match was Wild. It was it's crazy to think. Like when this match ended, it was like he finally did it. And I was like, wait a second, you're right. He he's never been the top guy. He's the top guy now. Also, I want to make this point. Because if there was a wrestler, if there was anybody on this planet who I could say, I want to borrow that man's body and put it on mine, it's Kota Ibushi. How is this man this buff and this ripped? He looked amazing in this match, except for the haircut. But he oh, looked amazing. Crazy. God damn. <laughs> I mean, that's always his haircut. What do you mean, except for the haircut? I, no, I, you just I'm, don't I'm like just people's saying, hair nowadays. I'm just saying, that because I don't have any. But Kota Ibushi, <laughs> like, physically, when you look at Kota Ibushi... Because he's not too big, he's not too small, he's not too tall, he's not too short, but he looks like a pro wrestler, physique-wise, and, and like he wrestles like a pro wrestler. If Vince McMahon likes Asian people, Kota Ibushi would be his champ. There's a lot of layers to what I just said. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of ifs there. No, no, That's no. That. Not unless they're chasing around for the 24-7 title with a, a gang of ninjas. So, oh, fuck, <laughs> man. Um, all right, so we have 
Night 2 opens up Queen's Quest uh, defeats Donna Del Mundo. I didn't even know this was on there. The six women. It wasn't. Tag. It was. They, they didn't air it, so we can like it's there. You're look. You're looking at the wiki rundown, but nobody saw this shit, except for the people in Tokyo Dome. Nobody saw it. Okay, I was like, yo, I didn't. I didn't see that at all. I'm glad I just didn't miss that. Um, okay, I didn't see that one either. So we start off with Toriano, Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, and Bushi. Why did your boy Yano win this shit? Because he's supposed it's to. It's a prop. I'm glad it's seven minutes. Yeah. That was the upside. Seven minutes and 34 minutes. He ended it with a pair of low blows and a pin. Look. It's Toriano, man. Like, whatever. He's got the trophy again. I expect him to win it again next year. So, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, no one cares about that trophy. Uh, next tag match, Suzuki Goon. Up again, like you mentioned earlier, playing kind of a babyface role um, versus one or eight. Taguchi and Master Wato. Taguchi. Here, here. I just yeah, want to say Yeah, and Master Wato. I had no clue that a name. Mast- Ma- look, look. Master Wato shows up, and I was like, this is never going to work. And it's been about a year now. Shit don't work. Master Wato, like, even in this match, I'm watching, and I'm like, hmm. This ain't it, dog. And this match was, eh. Suzuki Goon d- d- uh, retains as they should. Uh, I love Taguchi. I think he I, he's always been fun. He's always turned in good matches when you put him in the right spot. But yeah, no, like this match wasn't it, man. This is not it. Again, another slow start to Wrestle Kingdom night. This wasn't it, and the junior heavyweight tag team division is hurting. Gone are the yeah. days of Red Dragon, the Young Bucks. Um, fuck, there's so much talent there. I forgot who else was in there. Bad people. I mean, think about it. Like but that, that think shit about is this. Gone. Japan had War Machine. They had Gallows and Anderson. They had the Young Bucks. They had Red Dragon. Um, they had. There was so many tag teams yeah. that made Gorillas and Destiny fun. was still just popping. You had Rapungi Vice. Oh, Rapungi Vice was the other team. God, I hated Rapungi Vice. Rapungi. Rapungi Vice. Like, oh my God, that's always the worst. Yeah, this is the worst entrance music ever. Oh my God, that was bad. But it's better than anything they got now. Except for the Rapungi, what is that, 3K? Like, Show and Yo are my boys. But one of them is injured. Yeah, Yo was out. Yo was out. So, Otherwise, yeah. I, I figured that Show and Yo would probably have been in this match. But Yo has been hurt. Um, I think he tore his MCL or ACL. So he should be back maybe sooner than later. But they were already projecting that Yo would be on a solo run. So, eh, yeah, they need help. Tag Team Division needs a lot of help. Yeah, definitely. And then, listen, I don't know how they just snuck this one in. I thought this would be your match of the week. Oh, it's up there. Shingo versus Jeff Cobb. Never Openweight Championship. This, you know, the Never Openweight Championship is notorious for this, right? Usually it's like Ishii, it's Suzuki. Like, you're getting someone that just beats ass in this match. Shingo versus Jeff Cobb was so good. Jeff Cobb in New Japan this year, after what he did in G1, one like sneaky good runs. And then to follow it up with this, like, 
Jeff Cobb is going to be a major player next year. All right. So I've been high on Jeff Cobb for a long time. Since he was Matanza in Lucha Underground. And then I saw him in PWG. Um, I've been high on Cobb. His athleticism, his power, his look. But he hadn't really put it together yet. In this match, the long hair has grown out. He's got the little gray in his beard. He slimmed down a little bit because that gut was protruding. Now it's not. Not as much. And this was the definition of big men bumping meat. Because these two dudes, <laughs> listen, from the moment that Jeff Cobb did that belly-to-belly suplex on the outside of the ring and Shingo kind of like landed on his head, I was like, oh, shit, this is different. And these are the type of matches that I like because they play towards each other's strengths more than anything else. Jeff Cobb is a powerhouse. Jeff Cobb did a moonsault power slam in this match. That shit was stupid. But Shingo is definitely one of my favorite wrestlers right now to watch. Him and Ishii, I, I can't get enough of how they work in matches. This match was a banger. When this match ended, I was like, oh shit. This might be competing with Naito and Ibushi. And it is. I have to watch it again because these two <laughs> big men bumping meat. This was <laughs> suplex. Like, dog, Cobb was just throwing Shingo around like it was nothing. And Shingo gets the victory, defends the title, which is makes sense because Osprey also lost. The Empire was on the backside going into New Year's Dash. But I, I, there wasn't a moment of this match for all 21 minutes and 11 seconds where I was like, this is a banger. This is my type of shit. This is, that's an understatement. Like, I watched this shit. I was like, Dre is somewhere marking out right now. <laughs> like, oh, this shit man. is right up his alley. And I didn't care who won. Like, it was at that point, I was like, oh, no, they're just being the hell out of each other. And Jeff Cobb just looks so strong. You're right. Something, something changed. Cobb is like 38, 39. Yeah. Everybody's old to me. Maybe he's like 36. But still, he's no young whippersnapper. He's been around forever. But, yeah, something has changed. And in the best of ways. So I was like, all right. I was like, okay, the night's going to ramp up. Next was Evil and Sonata. <laughs> if they're not a tag team, I don't want to see them anymore. And I really, no one gives a shit about Evil. To the point where it soured Sonata for me. Just put them back together as a tag team. Get me the hell out of here. I'm done. I'm done with the Evil experiment. Leave that shit in 2020. Mm. That is my rant. <laughs> yeah man like look when Sonata showed up on the scene we were doing this podcast with Sonata when Sonata originally showed up and we saw him he was like yo he looks like he could be the guy one day and as the year has gone along and now we're here and he's going to get the next title shot it just hasn't panned out and there's two reasons I don't like the skull end I don't like his moveset period skull end um, the, the moonsault and the uh, Paradise Lock are two things that are three things that I look at and I'm like, ah, I can't take him seriously as a major player because he's he's really talented, but th- though that move set just ain't working for me. It doesn't scream like champion or anything like that. And this match, <sighs> yeah, the evil shit, I'm over it. I've been over it. 
<laughs> Evil and Bullet Club. I didn't like it from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Evil and Bullet Club just don't work. Um, I it's cool seeing Dick Togo around, but nah, nah. This match didn't even need to be twenty three minutes. And the funny thing was, the match wasn't bad. The match was fine, but I just didn't care to see it. So that's that. Like I watched it, and I was like, "That's cool." Can we get to the next match, please? And that's what we did. Yeah, I, it was. If I watch this card again, I'm skipping that. Like I, I'll save the twenty three minutes. Like now, nah, I'm, I'm good. I don't. I really don't have to see that ever again. Um, next match, cool. Peak my interest. We have Takahashi versus Ishimori, and. Ishimori, he, to me, he has that. He has a great look for junior heavyweight, right? Like a little muscle-bound powerhouse. Yo, so I was like, like, "Yo, he's weirdly buff, right? Like he's like you look at him and it's like, yo, he's straight. He's like midget buff, right? Him and old dude from the Dark Order would be perfect as a tag team. Him and John Silver. <laughs> him and John Silver, like that's gold right there. I would love them to team up because they're just two little muscle-bound buff dudes." They're like 411. Uh just yoked for no reason. So um, yeah, Ishimori, but I like the moveset. I liked when he joined. Um Bullet Club, I was like, oh, this is dope. I like this look. It's cool to see him get this spot. And I thought this match was better than Takahashi's match the night before. It was. I thought this was a cool showcase, good for the both of them. Look good on Ishimori. I, he didn't need to win. I didn't think he deserved to win. I think Takahashi's gonna hold this belt. Shit, maybe for another year. I don't know who beats him. But Phantasma one night, Ishimori the next, probably the best two matches he could have back and back. Back to back. Best two challengers, and I think he showed out in both. Yeah, I mean, so here's the funny thing. Ishimori never successfully defended that title. He won that shit. COVID happened. He didn't wrestle. This was his first title defense, and he lost. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, Taka. So I like this match, but Takahashi and Dragon Lee had better matches, and I feel like Takahashi and Ishimori could have possibly had a better match. I mean, let's be honest. Takahashi's had better Dragon matches. Dragon Lee almost killed him, though. By the way, yeah, and they ran it back, and it was excellent. Um, but Takahashi had bangers with Will Osprey. This was a good match. I'm not gonna say it was a bad match because it wasn't at all. This was a good, solid four star match. Um. That's, I don't know. Did I expect more? Probably. But it was good. It was but good. How? Who else Who else is a better challenger? Because that's my thing. Well, he that's the past, problem. Yeah, he had better challengers. The division, in that division now, I think these are the two best guys you could put against them. Well, the division so here's is just what I thinner. Think. Here's what I think. I think... COVID kind of messed this up because I think the better match on this particular night would have been Takahashi and El Phantasmo and they could have gone all out. Mm, okay. I don't know who the champion would have been, but I, I think Phantasmo in this spot as the heel, as the clear heel with his moveset and his, you know, it would have presented something different for Takahashi. It would have been a great match, but they couldn't get there because Ishimori had the title. So, Regardless, it was still a really good match. But junior heavyweight title matches in previous Wrestle Kingdom have been excellent. Yeah, you talk about stuff being messed up. Like, 
this was a possibility, you know, due to COVID, this was a possibility where we could have saw an ACH in the junior heavyweight division over there. We could have saw a guy like Chris Bay possibly doing a talent share and competing. We could have saw um, Leo Rush go there if it wasn't for COVID. Like, could you imagine Takahashi versus a, just an unchained Leo Rush? There's no. talent, so much talent out there in that division, but COVID kind of fucked it up. I look forward to seeing what the division comes next year. Yeah. Um, next up, main event. I'm gonna let you talk about this first. Main event: Kota Bushi, Jay White. F- Forty-eight minutes long, but still a great match. Kota Bushi is a machine, and I will start. And I'll let you take it by saying I was wrong. I thought Kota would win the first night, lose to Jay White the second night. I thought Jay White was red hot as a heel. I think I'm wrong about the direction they're going with Jay White. What was your thoughts on the match? This match was great. What kept it from being a classic was it was ten and a half minutes too long. Jay White has been one of the biggest breakthroughs of talent in New Japan over the past three years. From his initial inauguration as Switchblade against Tanahashi, which I don't think any of us liked at Wrestle Kingdom two years ago, to where he's at now, and the way he plays the heel role, his talking in the ring, his control spots, he's really good at. This was a great great match but there was a point where I was like lose 10 minutes and this would have been a classic this was really good um obviously the right man won you remember about mm, four months ago I said Jay White's turning babyface yeah it's I happening. really don't like that idea I don't like that you gotta shave the beard to me he was just again no, no, no. he's been healed this whole time you he's to. been He's been hitting his stride as a heel. I know, I know. There's still, but I told you this still was more meat on the bone. You I know, but this is this is happening. As great as this match was, and it was a Bushi's crowning moment. But now you look at it as like JY failed two years in a row, failed last year, failed this year, and now, uh, you know, I'll skip ahead a little bit. He gets pinned clean by Ishii at New Year's Dash. He cuts an amazing promo after this particular match where he says, I'm not Jay, I'm just Jamie. And he talks about his failures. Everything culminated into a babyface turn. He's going to get exiled from Bullet Club. This shit is inevitable. I don't know who the new leader is. Evil? Evil's going to take over? Nah, see, see, nah, don't do that. I'm not even saying don't do that because it seems like the obvious thing to do, but they shouldn't. They got to get somebody else. No. Uh, they got to be know. Kenta. Well, Kenta maybe, might have to beat Moxley and take it as the U.S. champ. Nah, not Kenta. Kenta's done. I told y'all, man. Like, if Kenta couldn't turn it in, in your G1, eyes, Kenta. Kenta's done. He's done. He's done. He's a, he's a good... He's like Macho Man Randy Savage in the NWO. Not the same Macho Man, but he's there by name alone. That's who Kenta is. <laughs> Damn. The guy who could run the Bullet Club, if they figured it out, is El Fantasmo. 
But Jay White. Junior heavyweight running it? That's that's Finn Balor. Come on, Kenny Omega was junior heavyweight? Not when he was in charge. But he started as a junior heavyweight. This is my point. He was a junior heavyweight. AJ was a junior heavyweight. All these guys were junior heavyweights. Yeah, Jay White was a junior heavyweight until he became in charge and immediately was a heavyweight. That's what I'm saying with El Fantasmo. He's the one guy. It's time for him to move up. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think sooner than later he's gonna have to bulk up and move up to take over. Because if it isn't him, they're gonna have to get somebody from the outside. Because it can't be somebody who's already there. None of those guys, Tamatanga, Ishimori, like none of those guys could be lead the Bullet Club. They'd have to get another gaijin. They have to get another you know non Asian wrestler, Japanese wrestler to do this. And I feel like Phantasmo has the skills, the ability, the mouth to be the leader of the Bullet Club. But Jay White, he's got to be out of here. But back to the match. This was really good. It wasn't as good as Naito and Ibushi because I think Naito and Ibushi, for me, the winner was in doubt. I didn't know who was going to win. This one, there were moments where I thought Jay White would win and Gator would screw us like he did with Naito before. But then I was like, mm, Ibushi should probably win. And, you know, uh, it, w- it this was a really good match. But, um... Yeah, it wasn't the best match of the weekend to me, but it was really good. Is it five? No, no? it was good. I mean, four point seven five, four and a half. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, it was definitely a little long in the tooth. It was long, but I mean, I liked the near falls at the end. Um, some people in our group chat said like it was too many near falls. No, I, I liked the near falls at the end. They could. I like the interference. The middle. I, I like the interference. Me too. Like, like, there were people that didn't I like the interference. Cut it from the end. Yeah, I thought the interference was necessary because Jay White is a heel and he needed. He was desperate and was trying to win at all costs. Uh, but yep. there was some control spots, probably like you said, in the middle of the match, so they could have cut out. Exactly, and to your point, if he's doing a babyface turn, and this is one of those, I cheated so much. Everything I've done, I've cheated to win. Gato's helped me cheat to win all of these things. And now I'm to the point where even him cheating can't help me. Yeah. Like, now even that's not enough. So this, you know, leads to him changing. I, I get it. Good narrative, good storytelling. But you now have me racking my brain before we go to break of who could lead the Bullet Club. Another guy, Gene. And we didn't even put this um, in the rundown at all, but Marty Skrull's a free agent. Got let out of his deal at ROH. Yeah, that's true. I don't. I, I think he's a little nuclear to touch in the U.S. He could go back home to the U.K., but shit ain't the same over there anymore. Like NXT UK is kind of fucked up the the independent scene. I think if if you debut the villain as a heavyweight, not junior heavyweight, he's you know been in New Japan a little bit before, always junior heavyweight. Now he's a full fledged heavyweight, many event caliber guy. You bring in the villain. And he is the one who kicks Jay White out, and he is the leader. I think that's a perfect scenario for someone to lead the Bullet Club. I, I think it's a very plausible scenario. I think COVID messes a lot of shit up. Um, can he get over there? Can he, he could stay know? there though? Could yeah, like, if he, he wants to. He can legit just stay there. Yeah, he doesn't have to trap. Like no other companies attach him. He could just stay there. Like Jeff Cobb is there. Like uh, Gorillas of Destiny now are just there. He can be like that. He can just stay there. It's interesting. I think a lot of things are in flux. Uh, you know, quickly touching on New Year's Dash, 
it set up a few things. Obviously, we're going Sonata versus Ibushi for the title. Uh, Sho versus Takahashi for junior heavyweight. Phantasmo uh, and Ishimori against Desperado and Kanemaru for the junior heavyweight tag titles. Gorillas of Destiny, I think they're back engaged in if they're going to do another rematch with Suzuki Goon because I can't figure out who else it would be. Um, but uh, the buying one time for Gallo and Addison, just buying time. Yeah. The one thing that I took away from New Year's Dash, usually New Year's Dash has a big angle, like AJ Styles getting kicked out. That was big. This one didn't really have that. What it did have, though, was uh, The Empire, which is Osprey, Cobb, Bea Priestley, and Great O'Conn beating the bullshit out of everybody and putting Tenzon on a stretcher and getting him out of there. And then Osprey cutting this excellent promo out how he's fed up and it's time to take over. With that being said, if Ibushi can hold on to this title, can we get an Ibushi versus Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom next year? Oh, definitely. But I, that's something I want to see on night two and not night one. Of course. So now it's a matter of how the hell do you get there? Well, listen, if you're going to continue to do night two, like two night Wrestle Kingdoms, you can't continue to have your uh, G1 winner wrestle two nights. You can't do it. You got to figure something else out. Yeah. Uh, again, easiest way to do it. Split the titles. Yeah, they're going to have to. That's probably their next thing. Like, um, well, Obushi wanted them to kind of just fuse the titles, which isn't going to work. How do you just get rid of your IC title? So, yeah, I think the next thing is to split them. And what's better than having Osprey beat Obushi for just the Intercontinental title, but not be able to beat him for, like, the main title? Take that into G1. And then you turn that into the narrative. Either that, the other thing that may happen, even though I won't like it as much, is Osprey wins New Japan Cup, and then he gets his title. I think that's Power Struggle. Um, but it feels like Osprey's just got a lot, a ton of momentum. So we'll see where this all goes. New Japan still, to me, the best wrestling on the planet. They continue to kill it. This was not the greatest Wrestle Kingdom of all time, but it's still really fucking good. Yeah, still good, still very entertaining. Let's hit the break. When we come back, we got to talk about the NXT New Year's show and the AEW one. So you guys stay right there. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going an extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back for the home stretch, and it's time to talk AWNXT. Before we do that, though, Dre, how do you feel about your, uh, your man Bill Goldberg coming back? demanding that title shot and getting it immediately at the ripe old age of 74 years old. Man, get the fuck out of here. Look, there's some people <laughs> that were really excited. It was like, yo, 
Drew's getting the rub because he's wrestling Goldberg. Look, Goldberg will get blown up in like 10 minutes. This match can't be good. It can't be. It has to be a sprint. You got to hope he doesn't headbutt. Headbutt the locker. Yeah, but it has to be a sprint. That's the only way this match can happen. Just like Drew versus Goldberg. I mean, not Goldberg, uh, Brock Lesnar. And that was like a relative sprint. But this has to be a sprint. Old-ass Bill Goldberg doesn't need to be anywhere near anybody's title matches. I don't understand why they keep going back to this shit. Uh, apparently, this show popped a rating, which gave Vince a boner. But the bigger issue here is, like, well, these shows popping a rating means you need to develop new stars. And ha- having goddamn Bill Goldberg... After, which was a really good match between Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre, me, I'm watching going, Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre should be main eventing Royal Rumble or fighting for the title. Not Bill Goldberg. And people say it's a rub. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't see it. Also, keep Hogan. You can only rub so many people. You yeah. can only rub so many times before you get chafed. Like, sooner or later, you just got to let them run with it. Yeah, like, man, fuck that match. Um, also, keep Hulk Hogan off my television. Yeah, fuck over. Yeah, straight up. Um, I wanted Drew to lo- lose off of the promo alone, and I like Drew. I was like, how are you gonna pair Hulk Hogan with Drew McIntyre before he wrestles a black man? I, you know what I wonder, and I wondered this aloud while I was watching it. I was like, Drew did this promo with Hogan. Obviously, he was told to do so. I don't know if he wanted to Correct. or not. But could you imagine just what kind of chaos or what kind of conversation would have been had if it was like, hey, MVP, can you do this promo with Hulk Hogan? <laughs> uh, Lashley would have put his ass in the, in the what's-his-face hold? Yeah, I don't know if Lashley would have. Lashley might not have. MVP just going to wrap his ass up with some jujitsu. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is uh, Bobby Lashley, I'm not we sure don't. he really sees things like we do, uh, but I know MVP does. And I'm, I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure MVP would look at Hulk Hogan and was like, get the fuck out of here. So, yeah. yeah. They put Hulk with the perfect person. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Drew's in the position where you're the guy. You're the face of the company. And this comes along with it. You got to do shit that you may want to do, but you may not want to do. And uh, so, yeah, that was probably the only place to put Hogan. And talking about Goldberg giving Drew a rub, like, wasn't that what the stupid fucking ambulance match was where they paraded all the same veterans, or what, WWE Hall of Famers or whatever fuck it was this week, all those same people were there helping Drew McIntyre beat Randy Orton. And that was supposed to be the rub for Drew, right? So why does he need another one? It's dog, it's goofy. Like I said... And he could lose. He could lose lose and we could be in the same scenario we were last Please year God, no. champ versus champ bill goldberg versus roman reigns no i think this is this is meant to be a rub for drew i think drew's got to go over on goldberg because goldberg always shows up and wins have you noticed that shit like he's fucking Goldberg. he shows up <laughs> and he wins the title for no fucking reason i don't and then you know what was really disrespectful they called him the icon that's sting's name <laughs> That's <laughs> like Sting didn't come back two weeks. Before. Yo, but like Sting wasn't really the icon of WCW. Goldberg was never that. He was never that. As much as people love Goldberg, he was not the icon. He wasn't the heart and soul of WCW. Sting was. Sting never left. So when they said that it was like Goldberg's the icon, I was like, come on, man, cut it out. Goldberg didn't even like wrestling. He ended Bret Hart's career. <laughs> Fuck out of here. 
Yeah, for, for that alone, the man should never wrestle again. How he's main eventing or challenging for a title in a pay-per-view, I'll never know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, this is whack. I mean, you know, if, if Drew likes it, I love it. No, I don't. I'm lying. If Drew likes it, fuck it. I, no, I don't no. like it. But uh, for he this, nobody else to face. I hope when Drew wins, yeah, when Drew wins, I hope Keith Lee beats the shit out of him and joins the Hurt Business. <laughs> Keith Lee. Give me heel Keith Lee for this shit. Look, Keith Lee's not joining the hurt business, but heel Keith Lee is something I can get into as long as he's beating the shit out of people. Other than I want all the black people in the hurt business. Black excellence. Uh, Hold all the belts. Other than that, Raw was... There was nothing to really talk about. Um, once again, Randy Orton puts his finger in Jeff Hardy's gauge in his ear and... Yeah, seen there. Yeah, SmackDown's kind of the same. I mean, Biggie's IC champ. It looks like he'll be facing Apollo Crews, which it looks like they're teasing an Apollo Crews heel turn, which is much needed for the That's smiling good, black man. Yes, yes, good heel turn by them. Uh, real quick, also before we get into AEW and NXT, because guys, main roster is not really that good. Cardi B versus Lacey Evans, huh? Ooh, what? <laughs> Cardi got Cardi got worked into a shoot. Um. Cardi, it started off so nice, like giving props to Sasha and uh, Carmella to the talking about how she loved wrestlings in the early 2000s, which she might be the only one. Um, but, you know, showing love to Melina and all these people. It's so, so nice until Lacey Evans decided, like, you know what? I'm going to work <laughs> Cardi B and say some wild shit in character. And Cardi just did not pick up on those vibes. Not at, <laughs> like, all. at all. Not at all. You and can't do that with Cardi. Cardi cut a better promo than Lacey Evans could ever do in her life. And it was in the form of a tweet. They didn't even take that many characters. And it's better than any Lacey Evans promo ever. I was like, fuck, put the title on Cardi. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on to NXT and AEW. <laughs> I just want Cardi and Sasha Banks versus any two white women. Give, give me Cardi and Naomi. Not even. like Just give me Naomi, full fro, Cardi versus any two white women on roster. As long as Lacey Evans is one of them. And going over at Mania. You want a spectacle? Give me that. Someone today said Cardi and Meg Thee Stallion could be tag team champs. And I think there's a Photoshop going around from the WAP video with them with the belts on. Hmm. Interesting. Genius. Genius idea. Um, if Vince liked black people and was in touch with the culture, he would have made that call. So, <clears throat> moving on to NXT, we have New Year's Evil. It wasn't very evil, by the way. No. There's not much evil. Um, it, it's really, you can only be so evil when the main guy hosting just draws caricatures. Like Dexter Loomis, like, I don't know where they got this drawing thing from. It's just very weird. So, He's hosting it, whatever. Opening match, Karrion Cross versus Damian Priest. Like this match a lot. Cross comes back. Still a little weird that he comes back and he's just like, I'll wait, build myself back up to get my title. Whatever, though. I'm down. So Cross decides, you know what? I got beef with Damian Priest. I'm going to beat the shit out of him first. And to me, this is a really good match. Damian Priest started off hot, tons of offense. So he didn't look like a punk by any means. But when Cross turned it up at the end, it was done very well. Cross him with a power bomb that folded him, and I was like, "Oh my god, that just—it looks like death in the ring." So I, I thought they both looked really good, and it accomplished what it was supposed to, and a great way to kick off the night. Yeah, I think uh, between Cross's power bomb, the Saito suplexes, 
And then his kind of use of the hidden blade at the end to get rid of Priest, uh, it was it was a good match. I think it was a good opener. Um, don't know where Priest goes from here, but I'm fine. He's I don't know if he's maxed out, but he's he's been solid. And Cross is obviously working his way back, way back into the title picture. But it's a good opener with two men just beating the shit out of each other. And Cross is still that guy with a great entrance. Uh, Scarlet looks great. Like they they look like money. I just wish they didn't put yeah. the title on Cross so soon. And now it's like he's working back towards yeah. it. It's kind of a blessing that he got hurt. Because he would have probably yeah. lost the title by now. Yeah, yeah. And then you get like a nice build. And hopefully this leads to seeing more of his character. And when he gets the title back, he can have a nice sustained run. I like this. And again, getting the title off of someone like Finn Balor means a lot as well. So whenever he does face Finn... It means a lot to take the title off of Finn Balor. Yeah. So I like that. Damian Priest, listen, if there's two people called up for the Royal Rumble, I don't see many, right? Like, there's not going to be an exodus from the roster. But there's two people on this show I think could be called up for the Rumble. On the men's side, Damian Priest is that guy. I think, and not that they have plans for him, but I think the look, the body type, I've always said he's like, you know, a Hispanic Baron Corbin. So I think they would use him in a similar way and probably try to call up Damian Priest because he's done a lot. And if he's not going to be the guy, I can see him going up. I hope he stays, though. Yeah, I hope he stays, too. And I think he's better than Baron Corbin. A lot better. Agree. I mean, Baron Corbin has a really good moveset. He does. I mean, Baron Corbin's he, improved a, a lot. He's a good shitty heel. But, uh, yeah, like, he's, he's a really good shitty heel. He's better than Elias. He's better than the racist that's with Elias. Like, again, mid-card heels. You're, you're pressed to get better than Baron Corbin. True. Like, you're you're doing all right if they just keep him in that in that spot in which they have been. Um, then you have Santos Escobar and Legado del Fantasma in his corner versus Grand Metalik with Lince Dorado. Cool little match. I wish it was Lince Dorado instead of Grand Metalik. Even though Grand Metalik is cool. Like, the ring rope shit is fine. Justin Ivey really likes Grandma Talik. I'm sure he's watched way more of him than me. But right now, I think Lince Dorado is like, of the two, I really like watching Lince wrestle. And I think that would have been a better match. But Nian Santos, you know, retains the belt. And, I mean, this guy's a million bucks. I just need to see where they go after this. I, I think Legato the Fantasma should be the next tag champions. We'll see how this Dusty Rhodes Classic plays out. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a match where the ending was never really in doubt. Uh, so here's a weird thing. Remember when Kalisto was like supposed to be ousted for Lucha House Party and he did this whole angle and then it just kind of went nowhere? Then, fast forwarding a bit, I think Lince Dorado spoke on Raw. I was like, why does he sound like a black man? I was so confused by so many things that were going on. And then it was like Grand Metalik versus uh, like Santos Escobar in this match. And it just made me wonder, like, what the fuck are they doing with Lucha House Party? Because Lucha House Party just went over on the Hurt Business, too. Yeah, they need a new name. I like them as a tag team. And Lisa Dorado is Puerto Rican and speaks like a New Yorker. Yeah, like, yo. He, so, yeah. like Put on some Tims, like, bro. He really speaks... Yeah, like, Lindsay Dorado, I was like, oh, no, they need to just give this man a mic a lot more. I was so shocked. Because, again, 
I don't know why they like Kalisto cut promos. Right. It's just a horrible idea. <laughs> like, no, like, Lise should have been the talker from jump. So, no, I, I think they have a pretty good mix and vibe as a tag team. Um, I think that could work, and they have a space for them on the main roster if they stay as a tag team. But I think, again, Lince Dorado has to be the, the A side of that tag team. I just, I never... Because I think there's something special there. Like, think about Lucha House Party. They put them together, then Lars Sullivan beat the shit out of them. And then, yeah. like, they never go away. They're like roaches. They keep coming back. And then they're they're back again. And then Metalik, for... It's inexplicable why this match is happening. I didn't mind it, but I was like, why is Grim Metalik in this match? But it, it happens. And then Lucha House Party goes over in the Hurt Business. I don't know who's booking this shit. It's just weird to me. This match was fine. Uh, Santos Escobar, I just feel like they're not really reaching his potential and they're not giving him the right feuds because he doesn't really have any feuds. He just kind of has matches. Give this man a feud. No, he had a full feud with um... Swerve. Shit, oh boy, Swerve. That wasn't, it was... Eh. That was like a two-month-long feud. Yeah, like but two and a half. And they have a full other show to serve. I don't want to hear about that. I don't know. Please don't. It. Nobody watch it that shit. Stop. Still a show. stop. 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 Nobody watch that shit. Right. Santos right, Escobar is on NXT. Nobody watches 205 Live. Give him a feud that plays out weekly on 205 Live and make that title feel important. Right now, it doesn't. I, the, the best way to go, obviously, when they can do it, is Jordan Devlin versus Santos Escobar to figure out who the real champion is. But Santos, he needs, like, a real feud. And honestly, I look, we're going to talk about this. Kushida looks like he's in the, the TV title picture or the North American title picture. But, like, a Kushida-Santos-Escobar feud could have been great if they would have done it. I just kind of feel like Santos, like, yeah. the, even the Swerve feud was just kind of there because Swerve didn't really do anything to get there. Now he's this weird Matrix-like heel. It's goofy as hell. But... I need Santos to have like a real feud. It just hasn't happened. Like, Legata, like that, that entire faction should be doing a lot more, in my opinion. They look great. They should be doing more. Ooh. Yeah, it's just what spot. I mean, maybe if he drops that title, they can do a little more because he could be in like in the North American title picture. But again, as long as you have the Cruiserweight title, you got other shit to kind of think about. And then eventually, him and Jordan Devlin got a date. Eventually. For a feud. As long as they keep eventually. the title on him. But I need him to, to make that title mean something. It doesn't mean shit right now. It's just a title. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That until he gets... And there, again, you don't watch 205 Live... But there are challengers on 205 Live and storylines that they're building, so he'll have another story. Nobody cares, Kel. You're the only person who watches this shit. They will only care when it'll funnel into NXT and then people will start to care. Nobody cares about 205 Live. Nobody. Just you. You are single-handedly keeping 205 Live alive. (laughs) I'm putting on a shirt. Keep 205 Live yeah. No, I'm going to put 205 and then just put an A on the side, like, chilling. 205, alive. That is me. Just merch idea right there. Boom, on air. Um, so next match, now that you have to, you just crush constantly the Cruiserweight division. 
Uh, we had Zia Lee with a boa, the big ass dude, defeated Katrina Cortez. Real quick, light work for Zia Lee. I like the new look. I like the entrance. Entrance longer than match. And uh, there's some shrouded figure in there too, which I don't know what that's about. But I feel like that's going to kind of unravel here in the coming weeks. So I like it. She looks cool. great. She looks like a million bucks. Yeah. The new look, the the revamp, everything looks great. The interest is a little long. You can I can do without the Ninja Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shit with the side. Like I don't need that. But she, uh, we'll see what they do with Boa. Like this thing, this is what she needed. She needed a reboot, and now I think she could be dangerous. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yep. And then we have uh, Raquel Gonzalez versus Rhea Ripley. Match of the night for yes. NXT. Yes. And Dakota Kai getting stuffed in the locker was fucking hilarious. Um, but they took some bumps. Rhea Ripley doing the dive through Raquel Gonzalez through the table was great. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez still looked like a beast by the end of it. I, what's uh, what's Ryan's girl's name from the main roster? Who, Sonya Deville, who made her return? Sonya Deville. I am now going to say Sonya Deville looks like Raquel Gonzalez. <laughs> Because I think Raquel Gonzalez has earned that. Like, at this point, she's no longer the woman who looks like Sonya Deville. No, Sonya Deville looks like Raquel Gonzalez. Because I think there's something there. I, I think she could be what they thought, what many people thought, Nia Jax was. Like, she has some in-ring acumen. She, she has some oomph as a monster heel. Not Shayna Baszler monster heel. But a physically imposing monster heel. Where she goes up against Charlotte and you're like, you know what? I think she could really beat her ass. Like, she can go face to face with the best and you're like, I believe this. I get it. Well, so me, I, me, I think there's something there. I don't. And not because mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think Vince will look at her and say, yuck. Really? Yes. I think Vince will look at Raquel Gonzalez and be like, yuck. I don't see it. Maybe Tamina, I, I Tamina trips, too. That's Tamina to, to Vince. Vince looks at Raquel Gonzalez and goes Tamina, except that Raquel Gonzalez is yeah, a much I, better worker than Tamina, but he won't. Yeah. He won't get it. I get it. I look at Raquel Gonzalez and I'm like, I get it. She was the diesel to Dakota Kai's HBK, very, 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 yep. very poor man's version, but it, it makes sense. And everything they're doing with Raquel Gonzalez, they're doing it right now. Mercedes Martinez is also back as well. Um. But this match itself was really good. I thought that these these women bumped like crazy. The question really is, where's Rhea Ripley go from here? Royal Rumble. She, Royal Rumble. Yeah. Damian Priest may or may not be the one guy moving up. I have no doubt Rhea Ripley's in the Royal Rumble and on Raw. Mm, Raw after this, down. like that's Raw. I th I think Bianca Belair is the oh, yeah, gem yeah. of SmackDown, right. and they're gonna let her grow. I think Rhea is the one that grows on Raw. You know what? I, I think that makes perfect sense. And I won't dive into this too much because the show is already too long. But I do think that there's a part of them that goes, put Rhea on SmackDown because she has new fuse and she'll be the one to take the title off of Sasha. Mm. It's easier to get the belt off of Sasha. But I, I think Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair have such a narrative already built in that you play off of that. Yeah, I just don't. I think, I think Vince 
really loves Charlotte, and he already did this shit with Rhea one time, and he I think he likes Rhea, and is like, ah, get it off the black girl. <laughs> That's just what I think. <laughs> very, very possible. And then uh, a match, again, this was in there because Thatcher um, suffered an injury, so him and Ciampa was off the card. But Kushida and Shotzi Blackheart versus Gargano and Candice LeRae, it was just a funny like match. Shotzi Blackheart shoots Austin Theory in the nuts with the cannon. Like that was hilarious. Austin Theory just takes an ass woman all night, um, which is a good way to build him up as like that real assholeish heel. Like I don't mind the position he's in right now. And then yeah, Gargano and Candice LeRae lose. It's a mixed tag match. So yeah, baby faces go over. Whatever. It was to fill time. Yeah, that's it. I have nothing else to say about the match. It was there. It had to it had to oh. jump in late because Thatcher, whatever. Yep. Um, Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly, two in the main event. I'll start by saying it wasn't the first one. No. But it wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad. It just it didn't hit another gear because <clears throat> because there was no payoff at the end. Like, it was hard-hitting. It was stiff. Submissions. I like how they played on the jaw injury and Finn Balor kind of reversing that. Like, oh, you fucked up my jaw. I'm going to fuck up your jaw. I get it. Great storytelling. But there was no payoff. There's no Kyle O'Reilly turning on Undisputed Era. There's no Finn Balor finding his next challenger. There's no Kyle O'Reilly finally winning the title and standing as an equivalent or equal to Adam Cole. None of the things that could have happened to shake it up and give meaning to a rematch happen. It was just the same result. Yeah. No, this was end of story. This was a this was a good match. Um, but for a week of great matches, it kind of falls behind. I know a lot of people really like this match. I liked it. But Kyle Riley Finn Balor one was really good. This was Oh yeah. This felt like it was trying to find a way to improve on the first one and it didn't necessarily succeed. And the ending, even though I like the submission finish in a sense, it kind I don't want to say it came out of nowhere, but it didn't hit. It didn't have that impact when Kyle tapped out. So when the match ended, I was just like, all right. Then then because it's a weekly show and it's not a pay-per-view, I was like, all right, where's his next challenger? Who's who's calling out Finn? And then the shit just ended. Or I was like, well, where's Finn and Kyle O'Reilly handshake? Great match. Nope, that didn't happen either. All right, so we just had a match then. That's fine. But again, we had a week of great matches. This could have been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the story was leading somewhere. Yeah. But uh, it did so not. Yeah. Now it's like, I know what's next for Adam Cole and Roddy, because they're in the you know Dusty Rhodes Classic. Um, after another injury, <laughs> just, oh my God, I Undisputed Era can't stay healthy. And... So, I mean, usually it's Bobby Fish, which it is again. So, um, they're in that tournament. And now Kyle O'Reilly, I'm wondering, like, okay, where does Kyle go? I don't know. Like, what do they do? No it's, I don't know. It's, like I said, could just be killing time till Mania season. So, we'll see um, where they go from that. Switching gears, though, we got to talk about AEW still in a show that is long and going forever. But, listen, people are listening We'll keep talking about it. Um, AEW has their New Year's show going head-to-head with NXT. And to me, when I first watched it, I thought it was a really good show. I thought it was the better show, uh, AEW New Year Smash. And now I'm thinking back, though. I 
it started off a little weird to me. Like there are some things I could have went without, um, but we'll go down the card. The Young Bucks and SoCal Uncensored defeated the Acclaimed and Hybrid 2, which is really just Angelico and Jack Evans. Uh, this match really didn't do much for me. Christopher Ooh. Daniels, 50 years old, though. Which is wow. crazy. Um, but this yeah, match no, ultimately it leads to uh, the Bucks and SEU. SEU talking about if they win, they're going to, you know, it's over. Um, sure, why not? I do like the acclaim, though. I'm a big Jack Evans mark. I think the guy is amazing. Uh, but yeah, this match was just, it was there. It was fine. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, cool little opener, whatever. Wardlow there was a, there was a weird finish, though. It feel like they were going for the... They went from the Meltzer driver, and then... Um, I don't want to say it was weird. It was actually kind of good. It was like a best moonsault ever Meltzer driver, which was like an audible at the last minute, because I think I think Nick like fell out the ring when he was trying to do it, and he did, ended up doing a dive to the outside, and they called it an audible. But it looked kind of cool, the, the, the moonsault Meltzer driver. If they... If they Meant to do it, more power to him. It just certainly didn't look like it. Um, but yeah, match was fine. It was it was okay. It was, yeah, okay, little opener. Then we get Wardlow versus Jake Hager. Yo, Hager ain't it. No, he's not. And that's why Wardlow went like, over. Wardlow went over, but still, I was like, yeah. This is, we talked about Jeff Cobb and, you know, two big men bump meat. These are two big men. I never need to see bump meat again. You're right. All the pauses in the world, but like no, I, I never, I never need to see like Jake Hager. Something was amiss, and I understand he got the pop, and the people wanted the pop, but we the people just ain't it. You might as well go back to Bellator. Like just I go mean, do MMA, sir. Like yeah, it don't work. I, I did like pro wrestling Wardlow. ain't it for him. Uh, Wardlow's finish, pulling it off on Hager looked good, but other than that, yeah, this was it was a match. I. I don't know what we're doing with MJF in the inner circle. Just free LAX, okay? That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> MJF looks like he's breaking up the inner circle. So, yeah, you know, fingers crossed. Um, Cody Rhodes with Snoop Dogg <laughs> defeated Matt Seidel with the botch of the night. Uh, I had to really dig to find this match. I think I watched this match first and then went back and watched everything because Justin Ivey in our group chat was like, Kel's going to love the botch. And you know what? Damn right I did. Um, because Cody's in ring is what it is. It's on wax. You guys go and find it. You know how I feel about that. But worse than the botch, Snoop Dogg's dive. People are calling it a frog splash. I will call it the Jay-Z splash because it looks like when Jay-Z was trying to jump off of the boat and like everyone uses that as a meme. And uh, I think Puff has one, too, that is very like that. It comes down to wrestlers just can't dive. Or, excuse me, rappers. Rappers can't dive off of shit. Boats, jumping, like diving boards into pools or off of the top rope. It just doesn't work. Snoop did not look good. I mean, the man's like, how tall is Snoop? Like 6'3", 6'4"? Just gangly. Like, it, it it didn't work for him. He could barely get his footing. I know what they were going for. It's This wasn't it. So, again... The beginning of this, I was like, yo, this, this card is probably better than NXT's. And then I went and thought about it. I was like, I don't know about that. So, yeah, this didn't do anything for me either. And Cody was really just there to promote his show that comes on after. Yep. I loved Snoop diving. 
because <laughs> because it was so bad, but it was an accomplishment for Snoop. And you can tell after Snoop hit that terrible splash, how excited he was to celebrate it. He gave everybody dap at the commentary table, including Chris Jericho, who goes on to say, as he's trashing Snoop the entire show, he gives him dap and he goes, I still hate that guy, which I thought was funny. But the fact that Snoop is, I think he's always wanted to do an actual bump and he never had the opportunity to, it looked terrible. But you could see in Snoop's eyes how much he enjoyed doing that. And from that, I was just like, yeah. I can live with this. It was awful, but it was meant to be awful. Nobody expected yeah. Snoop to execute a Rob Van Dam five-star frog splash. It looked like shit, but he did it. And his old knees didn't break. In his mind, in his mind, it probably looked great. In his mind, it looked amazing. And then Sasha like, trashed him on Twitter. Like, yo, cousin, uncle, yeah. let me help you out. <laughs> like, let me help you out yeah. there. But, I, dude... I laughed. I smiled because I just I felt that Stoop really enjoyed that moment, and I was like, "All right, I'm cool with this." It the match was whatever though. Five years from now, when we're wildly successful, more successful than we are, and uh, one of these companies gives us like a pre-show or something, and we get worked into an angle. How comfortable are like? Where would you be in your splash off of the top rope? Would you oh, embarrass us as a shit. podcast? Mm-mm. Nope. No. Mm-mm. Oh, I'm going full Eddie Guerrero frog splash. I'm like, sure you are. You look I think terrible I could at least look like Kevin Owens. No, no I, I, I got the mechanics mm-hmm. down. I think I could do it. Mm-hmm. Would you, you take you a go do bump? that? I'm not taking. Like, a would bump. you take a Walter Chop? No. An Ishii headbutt. No. If we did a New Japan show and Ishii said, "Yo, I will headbutt you." No, I'm not that guy. Did you see when Dan Henderson like gave, gave that guy a leg kick at a Christmas party? Yeah, yeah, I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm not the guy. Who was like, Yo. well, I'll take that over the H bomb. But I'm just saying, none, <laughs> none of that shit intrigues me. So no, I, I will be Man, the guy. Shoot. I will be the guy who turns on somebody else, like um, John Stewart, and give you a nut shot. That's about as much bumping as I'm gonna do. <laughs> But you're not taking the bump. No, I ain't taking shit. That's I ain't amazing. jumping off of shit. I ain't taking shit. I might give you a people's elbow. That's about it. What if Samoa Joe put you in the Kohina clutch? Nah, that's okay. No, like, no, I'm man. trying to pick out like your favorite wrestlers. Like, what a moment that would be. I mean, that no? what a moment. Like, I'll take a Shawn Michaels but, super kick. Like, nah, to then the my grill, daughter's easy. like, you got bitched out on TV. And I'm like, nah, that's okay. Listen. I'd be the smilingest motherfucker on the ground after taking an HBK super kick. One one day I would get super kicked by Shawn Michaels, and it would be the highlight of my life. Sorry, children. Um, next up, we have Sheeta versus Abandoned. Yo, this card was actually bad. I uh, do take back everything. You I keep said. calling Abandon. Her name is Abaddon, and I don't get oh. it. <laughs> I say fucking abandoned. No, it's abandoned. It's like a fucking abandoned building. They need to abandon no, this angle. not calling her Abaddon. And by the way, I watch it on mute. So if everyone's like, oh, why do you butcher her name? Because with the three TV system, I watch it on mute. This and NXT on the bottom TV. So yeah, I never heard her name pronounced. So Abaddon is fucking abandoned in my head. But yeah, she's weird. I've seen this character. Uh, she tried some like creepy Bray Wyatt shit towards the end. Nah, this not it for me. She just had a pretty bad run. She's had a bad run, and they should have just took the title off her here. Because you built up Abaddon like this scary freak of a character who doesn't feel any pain, who likes to bite through flesh. Then she just loses. 
I didn't get any of this. Yeah, I don't know. Who's going to take title, though? Again, I think next week they're marketing uh, NWA title match. That's way better than this one. It is. Serena Deeb versus... I can't remember, but I don't care because it's better uh, than this. The chick who's in NXT, Conti. Oh, Tara Conti. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on because this this whole angle's whack and this, the, the women's division <laughs> just fuck. It's terrible. Yeah, and this is... Why the next match is why I thought the entire night was a success, but it was really just the main event. Kenny Omega with Don Callis now, uh, heel cleaner Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix. This says it was only 15 minutes. This shit seemed like a new Japan match. Granted, commercials really bug me out. I hate commercials in between these, but the match incredible. I mean. Fuck, best bout machine is in full effect. Like, the the kitty gloves are off. The training wheels are off. They're like, Kenny, go out there and be you. And this match delivered. And I expected nothing else. Like, Ray Phoenix, the fucking madman, he's so good. And Kenny Omega, I think him and Kenny Omega have proved time and time again over the past couple of years. It's just magic when they wrestle. And those V-triggers look stiff as fuck. It was amazing. So remember that time where I was like, just be patient. The best bout machine will arrive. Just be patient. There's no reason to rush it. Best bout machine here. And he's a heel. And this match, if it wasn't for Wrestle Kingdom... Actually, if it wasn't for Ibushi Naito, this would have been the match of the week. Because, listen. When there was several spots. One, in particular, stuck out. When Ray Phoenix got caught in midair and Kenny turned that shit into a tiger driver. Oh, my God. Oh, crazy. The the bumps, the way that Ray Phoenix sold, the near falls. Even though I was like, there's no way Kenny Omega's losing this match. But there was some crazy shit in this match. The way that Ray Phoenix did that dive to the outside and like flew into the barricade. Like, this match was... Look, everybody's like, where's the best bout machine? There he is. Who's, like... And it's crazy. Him and Kota Ibushi are like best fucking friends. They're like the two best wrestlers on the planet. Yep. This this match was exceptional. And then and then we get to the finish when Moxley comes out to attack Kenny. Gallows and Anderson show up to help Kenny. Then who helped? Who who else came out before the Young Bucks came out? Uh, Pillman Jr. And then the Bucks came out. Yep. And then at the end, we got the the two sweet Bullet Club, Club reunion. Now, I'm going to ask you first because I have my feelings on this. How do you feel about this? In the moment, I felt like everyone else, I believe, where I marked out. And I was like, oh, okay, this is dope. Like, Bullet Club coming back. Then I thought about it. Can you really catch lightning in a bottle twice? Um... DX to me was the closest to do it when Sean left, but Trips revamped it enough. It was just him and China left, but he revamped it enough. X Pac, New Age Outlaws, that it made it seem super fresh still, and arguably better. It was a very different Degeneration X. I'm hoping that this is that. But it hasn't worked many times. For as many times as that worked, you can get the NWO and WWE. So, 
shit can go real wrong as well. I am open to it. I don't know how you do this. My only problem is I don't want to tune into TNA every week to see storyline. Like, I don't watch AEW Dark. So, if I miss half of the shit you do as the new arranged Bullet Club, because you do it on TNA with Gallows and Anderson, and you're you're making audience go over there, I'm not I'm not going to catch it. It's not going to feel great to me. I'm not going to be as excited as everyone else. So, here's here's my thing. I have no problem with this whatsoever. Here's why. Bullet Club was a largely a Japan thing that a lot of people yeah. in the States didn't really get to see. So... They didn't. Even though it was a big deal, there's a whole bunch of people who've heard about the Bullet Club. But they ain't really. They were in ROH. ROH brought it here first. That's not. But like, what I'm saying is, is what I'm saying is, foray. The Bullet Club was not like the NWO being on Monday Nitro and then the NWO coming to Monday Night Raw. It's not the same thing. ROH is so far different than anything else because there were people that were really excited. When Gallows, Anderson, AJ Styles teased the club, and that shit didn't go anywhere. The excitement's there because you haven't re- really seen it with an American audience. And the fact that they're, Gallows and Anderson are in impact, and obviously the Bucks and the Bullet Club are still a thing. I don't know why people feel like this is some old shit. This is not the NWO. This is not Degeneration X. The Bullet Club still could be... I mean, the Bullet Club still exists. Right, like, yeah. I mean, it's not it hasn't gone away. I, someone on Twitter made a very keen observation when they said all they did is extract all the melanin from the Bullet Club, and this is just all the white people that were in it. I mean, but that's what the Bullet Club was originally. Just though, right? acted like no, Fale was there from jump. Oh, well, Fale, him, Balor. I mean, Ballard's. Yeah, I mean, Ballard wrote on Fale's shoulder. I'm just saying. Like, um, okay, Fale. No, it was always Asians and, and. Yeah, and then Gallows Anderson. And then I think the next person was like someone else from New Japan. So, no. It, I mean, the Bucks didn't come in until far later. Almost when Ballard was on the way out. So, yeah, no, it was always a good mix. I Tamatanga was in before the Bucks got in. And Tamatanga and Fale were the tag, the heavyweight tag. And then the Bucks came in as the junior heavyweight tag. So they had two heavyweight tags, Gallo Anderson and Fale and Tamatanga. But, yeah, it was it was always a mix, at least with Samoans. Well, there are no Samoans so, in, in AEW no, right now. There's no people of they're still in. <laughs> just, they're still in New Japan, which leads me to wonder this. Could there be a working with AEW New Japan sooner than later? Because obviously Moxley... You mentioned New Japan a lot. Moxley is still there as their U.S. champion. Mm-hmm. And I, COVID fucks everything up. But you could do this talent share. And the Bucks could, like Bullet Club can exist, which is crazy, technically in three companies. I don't mind this as long as it doesn't get overexposed and you start adding people like Virgil, like when they did that with the NWO. If you still have the original members and, I don't know, you you see Phantasmo come over to uh, Impact Show or some shit like that. 
I'm fine with this. I, I just, I don't know. Some people are just really down on it because like, you're bringing old shit back. But damn, y'all act like Bullet Club was 15 years ago. Bullet Club only kind of had kind of had to break up because guys were moving on to other companies. Like Styles went to the WWE. Gallows and Anderson went to the WWE. Uh, Balor went to the WWE. That's the only reason why Bullet Club had to change. And now that these yeah. guys can actually bring it into AEW, I'm interested. They can fuck it up. Very true. Let's see if they will. Again, the only thing that worries me, because I don't think it's whack yet. Like The only thing that worries me is now... It's not just ROH and New Japan, which is where it was before, right? Like in the Bucks, kind of were in ROH, uh, and when the brief time that Adam Cole was the leader, those three were in ROH and then also in New Japan at the same time. This is now, if you think there's going to be a working relationship with New Japan, three companies for this to exist in. I'm fine with it. Three companies. Yeah, but we, you told me like New Japan is a little hesitant or was it aw hesitant on letting the workings outside of the company dictate how they book new japan yes new japan and there's nothing more about that than bullet well no no no. the thing was like when new japan said no it was because aw hadn't put on a show yet and they weren't going to commit to a company Mm -hmm. that never ran a show now that they've had a chance to watch aw run for over a year now they can make a decision based on what they've seen so they could. Moxie's still around. But again, I, I need to I want to see it work. Because I don't mind Gallows and Anderson representing Bullet Club and Impact. What does it hurt? Nah, it did. Listen, to me it doesn't hurt anything. So I I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Yeah, we'll see. And that's that's what I'm looking for. I, I want it to work. Cause it's fun. This version of Kenny Omega is fun. This version of the Young Bucks is fun. This version of Gallows and Anderson has always been Gallows and Anderson. They've been the club, Bullet Club. Now, you know, they, they've been this their entire iteration. They haven't changed. It's fun. It works. So let's see where it goes. I'm not going to shit on it before I see where it goes. Like other people are. So I'm optimistic that is our recap of pro wrestling. Two-hour show. Well, listen, we haven't been here for a while. We took a break. We had tons to talk about. Thank you guys for sitting through this with us. We appreciate you. Again, if you want to follow us on social media, it's at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Make sure you guys check out the link in the bio when you have a chance. Shout out. To everyone listening, hopefully you guys are staying safe in this new year. It's been wild already in 2021. You guys stay safe. Make sure you check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, on adfreeshows.com. Great content there. Great interviews. This past one was really, really cool. We talked to Chris Bay. Make sure you guys check that out as well. Until next time, though, we're out. Peace. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... 
At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.